This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers them for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious tonight. Yes, we deserve this win, man. Fox Force 5, flying high in both Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, and then being the first team that actually gets to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento like that. That's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brandon Nunez. Got Bryant West on here as we always do. What's going on, Brian? How you doing, man? I'm doing great, bud. Uh, just got back from a wonderful basketball-free vacation in uh, North Carolina with my family. And uh, much-needed reboost time and uh, very excited to hop into our off-season coverage. Yeah, and real quick, before we dive into the meat and potatoes of the conversation today, which is going to be Rashawn Holmes pending free agency, there was some news that went on today which is Tuesday the 25th at the time of recording. There was a tiebreaker in the lottery between the 8, 9, and 10 um, seeded teams, which is Chicago Bulls, Sacramento Kings, and New Orleans Pelicans. It ended up being in order 8 Chicago, 9 Sacramento, 10 New Orleans. And all of those teams have the same odds of jumping into the top four. Um, It really has more impact if a different team were to jump above them or if they were to stay in that same spot and less more of less so of an impact when it comes to jumping into the top four, which we all know they're just going to jump to two anyways, right, Brian? I've been saying <laughs> it all year. <laughs> I'm not going to jinx myself any more than I already have, but that's still my gut. Um, to break down the numbers, our buddy Brett Huff ran these really quick. He did the math. Um, let's get the, let's get the um, flat numbers out of the way first. 
there is a 46% chance that they stay at pick number nine, which is where they currently are in a flush lottery order. Um, there is a 29.4% chance they fall to number 10. There's a 3.9% chance they fall to number 11. There's a 0.1% chance they fall to number 12, which is just the most sacramental thing I could possibly imagine happening. Um, but there is a 20% chance that they will jump into the top four. A 4.5% chance for number one, 4.8% chance for number two, 5.2% chance for number three, and 5.7% chance for number four. So uh, most likely they're going to stay at number nine. Uh, second most likely is falling to number 10, but there is a 20% chance that they will end up with a top four pick. And as we've been talking about all year, uh, it would be a freaking fantastic year for the Sacramento Kings if they jumped into the top four spot because uh, as we will break down over the next two months. This draft is really, really strong at the top, and uh, a lot more question marks where the Kings will most likely end up, but uh, all of this isn't going to matter because they're going to fall to number two anyway. There you go. And um, yeah, I, I'm sure as time passes here, like you said, over the next two months that we're going to be diving into a bunch of draft content, probably will be most of our content over that time, and do a bunch of profiles and because after the top five, you know, there's, what, 10, 15 guys, it seems like, in a huge tier. Um, and maybe our tiers will be smaller than that. But it seems like wherever you look, you're seeing different names all over the place. I've seen Davion Mitchell anywhere from, like, mid-20s to number seven. Uh, Moses Moody is, for some reason, in the late teens now. It, it's all over the place. Yeah, the Moody one hurts my soul, but... Um, there's definitely a lot of draft coverage to catch up on. Um, ton of dudes that I will fully admit, uh, like I have not watched Alpren Sengun at all. I don't even know if that's how you spell his name. I was going to say that's the first time I've heard the name spoken out loud. Yeah, no, no. I legitimately have not watched a single minute of him. But he has already become one of the favorites of the King's Herald Slack. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there's a ton of guys who... Uh, will likely deserve to be in the conversation if the Kings stay in that nine range. Um, so uh, we will definitely be getting to work on that in the next couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, I think uh, a lot of our listeners know we are massive draft guys. We're pretty excited for this. So uh, two months to draft day. Let's go. There you go. But the other big news or big focus of the off season since the – Luke Walton situation is is already out the window and decided seemingly is going to be Rashawn Holmes entering free agency and we're going to spend this entire episode focusing on that and where I felt was appropriate to start with that is just talking about the season that Holmes had this year and you just put out a great piece on the Kings Herald where we're doing a bunch of different breakdowns of the seasons for every player on Sacramento's roster. And I just want to give you the floor to kind of break down some of the pieces that you found and and share the great season that Holmes had this year. Yeah. Um, Well, in case anybody doesn't know, Rashawn Holmes is one of my favorite Kings. Um, I've long had an affiliation for uh, defensive-minded role players who play with high intensity. So uh, as soon as Rashawn Holmes jumped into the starting center last year, never looked back. He became one of my favorite players on the roster. So Defensive watching minded, him, huh? oh yeah, all right, like, all right. Oh, come on, 
And the Isaac we'll get Okoro there. Guy. We'll get there. We'll have this conversation. Oh, oh, I see. I know where we're going. With it. <laughs> uh, only you. Um, all right. Well, let's start with the basic numbers. Uh, Holmes had a career year this season, finishing with 14.2 points, 8.3 rebounds, 1.7 assists, and 1.6 blocks per game. Uh, on 63.7% shooting and 79.4% for the line. Um, you know, I think it's it's key to point out a lot of his best games this year were against star bigs. Um, you know, uh, one of the biggest criticisms of Holmes, not as an actual basketball player, but as somebody to build the roster around, um, is that he's undersized for the position. Like, I know he's listed as 6'10", but... There's not a game that goes by where you're not like, oh, yeah, he's not 6'10". He's definitely shorter than that. Um, but some of his best games, I mean, he had 25 points, 10 boards against Rudy Gobert and the Jazz in April. Uh, I remember that big win against the Lakers late. was He had 22 points, 9 boards, and 3 assists against Anthony Davis. Uh, and he was instrumental in those two wins against the Nuggets early in the season when he had two 20-point outings against Nikola Jokic. So, um, you know, I really feel for a guy that is – a little undersized for his position, definitely not the strongest or most physically intimidating big in the NBA. He's definitely still a dude who uh, is incredibly consistent at what he does uh, on both ends of the court, and he has a lot of different ways. He's figured out a lot of different ways to uh, adjust to playing dudes who are bigger than him. Um, I think the number one thing is uh, he's a dominant big pick-and-roll big, um, was more than 34% of his offense this season, uh, and he was one of the most successful at it. Um, he was the fourth highest among players in terms of field goal percentage uh, for bigs that had more than 2.5 such pick-and-roll attempts per game, only behind uh, Jarrett Allen, Rudy Gobert, and Bam Adebayo. Um, I think the other big thing that uh, you know we can really kick off the next part of the conversation um, on how he developed this season, um, I think that you know the biggest criticism we've always had about Rashawn Holmes was that he's not really a floor spacer, and he became famous this year for his push floater. And uh, you know, it's it, it, uh, on the surface you think of it as well, that's an efficient basketball skill, but how much is it really spacing the floor? Well, in 2019-20, he took a total of 65 shot attempts from. 8 to 16 feet. Uh, this season, those attempts jumped to 200. And a lot of that is this push floater. Um, it's definitely something that he figured out and developed as a need to take advantage of spacing still in the paint. It's not like he's stretching himself out to the three-point line, but when you play in an offense with drivers like De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Alibut, and Buddy Heald, uh, you absolutely need to find avenues to uh, at least get open shots when defenders focus on those slashing guards. Um, so I really don't think we can undersell just how much of an offensive impact Rashawn Holmes' push shot actually had this year. So um, I think that was clearly the number one um, improvement in his game this season. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else that comes to mind? You know, that's a that's a really good find because I didn't realize I, I know that he definitely does take it from free throw line extended now and it's a lot further out. There is more floor spacing there than he's probably giving credit for. But the main thing for me 
between this year and last was just proving that last year wasn't a fluke, that this is what Rashawn Holmes is, because last year was the breakout year for him, and it was just given more opportunity, really, compared to his previous year in Phoenix and previous opportunity in Philadelphia. So for me, I didn't see a notable improvement, and what you pointed out is is totally that. Um, but more so this year was just proving, like, this is who Rashawn Holmes is, and he did it on a very consistent basis. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we talked about this last week um, when we talked about Jamie and Jones and uh, Shemezi Metu. You know, big men really do take four or five seasons into the NBA before you really know who they are. And this was Rashawn Holmes' fifth season. Um, and I really do think he's solidified himself as a starting center in this league. And uh, everybody kind of knows it at this point, to the detriment of the Kings' uh, chances at signing him, at re-signing him, honestly. So uh, I, I definitely think that his push shot shows that he's not done improving. Um, he's, he even said in a media session last week um, that the priority this offseason will be stretching his game out to the three-point line, which if he adds that to his game, I mean, he, he just becomes more versatile on offense. Wasn't this said last offseason also? I don't know. I don't remember that. Uh, that definitely seems like, a thing that, it seems like a thing that every center says they're working on. Right. But, I mean, like, do I doubt that Rashawn Holmes is going to put in the work? No. I mean, like, if Hassan Whiteside said it, I wouldn't believe it. But Right, and two I, of the usual indicators are touch and free throw percentage, and yeah. he's got both those down. Almost 80% from the free throw line, which like, jumped out at me. That's one of the best marks on the team. Um, so... <laughs> If he wants to stretch that out, like go for it, man. There's no harm in your center trying to shoot threes. Um, and I think like his first year in Philadelphia, he shot like 35% on decent-ish volume for a backup. Um, so it's not out of the question. Uh, it'll just be interesting wherever he is, whether it's in Sacramento or another team. Like if he becomes the floor spacer, he really becomes a big man who. And I mean, I I don't want to overrate what he is. He's not a star. He's not going to be a dude who goes out there and is a top three score on a playoff contender. But if he goes out there and he continues to improve his shot, um, continues to improve his passing, which is another thing he said he was going to work on, there's just not anything really on the court that he could do at that point to at least a solid level. Um, which I really think is like, it's a testament to a dude's work ethic. I mean, he was a journeyman, second-round pick, uh, bounced around to three teams now, and, uh, you know, as we're going to get into later, I think he's just going to be the second most coveted big man as center in free agency this year. So that's a testament to his work ethic. And if you watch any Sacramento Kings film, you know that this is a dude who really gives it gives his all on every minute he's on the court. Yeah, and that the passing that you mentioned is something that if I were to choose between him shooting threes or taking a step forward as a passer, I would definitely go with the latter um, because if he's making quicker decisions in a short roll, which I do think you saw some progress there, um, but not super notable, and if he is able to stand at the elbow and make plays from there while also having that threat of that push shot. I think that that would be a huge development in his game. Um, 
And yeah, just speaking to the importance of him on this roster, this year he played 29.2 minutes a game, which is the fifth most on the Sacramento roster this season, 14.2 points, fourth most there, 8.3 rebounds, leading the team, 1.7 assists. There's also 1.6 blocks, first there. Um, He leads, or he's second in the team in points per shot attempt at 1.34. That one's from cleaning the glass. And this leads me to where do you think Holmes ranks in regards to the most important player on the roster this season? And I'll start, I say it's Fox, Halliburton, Holmes is where I'll go. And I'll place Holmes three. I think if we were talking the best player, I would put Barnes ahead of Holmes. Um, But speaking importance to this roster, because of the drop-off after Holmes at the center position, I'll put him there. Um, But I I do think Holmes and Barnes are kind of interchangeable. But, um, yeah, in terms of most important player this season to the Sacramento Kings, I think he's only third to Fox and Halliburton. Yeah, you know, and you posted this question on Twitter earlier, and I interpreted it as who is the best – how does he rank in terms of best player on the Kings roster? Um, And in terms of, like, skill and impact on this team this year, I would put him third behind Fox and Harrison Barnes. But if the question is most important player on the roster, you know, you and I have said all year this was a developmental year. Uh, Kings didn't really behave like that. But in terms of just importance to the team moving forward, Rashawn Holmes is third behind Fox and Halliburton. for multiple reasons. One, because he was pretty much the only consistent big man on this roster. Like, Marvin Bagley may have been, if he had stayed healthy and figured out, you know, where all everything that we've talked about Marvin Bagley had not him uh, during a healthy season. But, I mean, he was hurt the whole time. Um, and, I mean, we don't even need to talk about Hassan Whiteside anymore. So, I mean, Hassan, uh, Rashawn Holmes was the third most important player on this roster just because Kings really didn't have anybody else to do what he did. Um, and he was also one of the more vocal um, players on both ends of the court, but especially on defense. Like I want, went back and watched a whole bunch of uh, his most impactful games, and like he's the dude who's barking out defensive rotations to the other big men. Um, I forget who posted it in the comments of my article today, but there was a really good clip of uh, them playing the Lakers late in the season uh, when um, Rashawn Holmes was playing excellent defense on Anthony Davis and uh, Marvin Bagley just lost where Andre Drummond was. And Rashawn Holmes is just telling him, no, telling him exactly how he had to fix that next time. Like Rashawn Holmes had to do so much on a team that was just absolutely abysmal defensively that I really think in terms of his impact, like Kings would have been so much worse off if they didn't have Rashawn Holmes this year. So I think offensively Holmes is elite. I, I think you can say elite. Well, okay, elite maybe not because there's elite like MVP elite level centers, but I think he is you know, top 10 offensive center in the league. Defensively, I think he's extremely talented in switching. And where I get lost a little bit is it's hard to decipher because 
the numbers, you know, the on-off numbers for Holmes' defense look really good. You know, opposing teams shot 3.7% worse at the rim when Holmes was on the floor, um, minus 4.2 points per 100 possessions with Holmes on the floor compared to his replacement, 3.3 effective field goal percentage worse. But where this is difficult for me is his replacements are shit. Um, And... This has been a struggle for me for a while is that, you know, there's all this talk centers, the most replaceable role in the league, yet the Kings can't ever sign decent replaceable centers, right? Like I would say all their (laughs) – I would say – and it's Holmes. Yeah. And I would say that all their backup centers this year really are third-string centers. So this is where I I struggle a little bit with Holmes. Um, And I think he's great in a switching scheme. But even though this is what Sacramento does, I don't think outside of Holmes they actually have good switching personnel. Um, you know, I don't think Fox and Halliburton, which is kind of the two players you need to look at and make an ideal lineup around, are great in a switching scheme. Um, because I, I think, you know, if either of those guys are switched on to bigger players, even a three, that they're really going to struggle. Now, if if the four and five are switchable players, which maybe if you're talking Harrison Barnes and say you're throwing Scotty Barnes in there as well, um, just as like an ideal hypothetical to fit this situation, that maybe that works because Fox and Halliburton are quick and smart enough to scam, scram out of a bad situation in a switch. But right now, I, I do kind of wish that they had, specifically last season, more of a typical rim protector a weak side rim protector. And and maybe, you know, a lot of this does have to do with when you are switching everything, he's not exactly in many situations where he is getting to display weak side rim protection because he's so often brought out to the perimeter and up so high with on-ball screens. But I do feel like that is where he leaves a little bit to be desired, and it's partially because of him being so foul-prone and just a little undersized. Yeah, I don't know how to... I don't know how to approach his true value on defense because I actually think that he is a better defender than he is on offense. Um, wow. And that's just the eye test because it's so hard to watch the Sacramento Kings who start one great defender in homes, in my book, and a couple average defenders and a couple really, really bad defenders. Like, it. I'm not going to criticize Rashawn Holmes' defense because the Kings decide that they have to switch everything. Like, I agree with you that Holmes is a perfect switchable center. Like, when I went back and watched highlights, the best highlights I found were his three blocks against Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Like, it, they anybody who wants to see... Holmes' switchability, just go watch the highlights from the Kings win against Boston in March. He swapped onto Brown and Tatum multiple times on the perimeter and just stayed with them the whole time. Um, but at the same time, like you're right that Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox leave a lot to be desired in a switchable defensive system that has no defenders besides Holmes that can cover up their mistakes especially when Rashawn Holmes is doing is having to worry about Marvin Bagley's man or uh, is Harrison Barnes getting post, posted up by a, a big dude who's just too strong for him. I don't know. Um, honestly, 
I think that if you took Marshawn Holmes and you put him on a team that had uh, a Scotty Barnes type, or you know the dude who Scotty Barnes we hope would turn into, uh, let's say for the hypothetical, uh, he goes to Toronto, which is my absolute favorite spot for Rashawn Holmes if it's not Sacramento. And let's just say he's playing next to OG Ananubi, uh, Pascal Siakam, and whatever guards you want at that point. Like, there is no doubt in my mind that Rashawn Holmes' defensive numbers are going to be insane on a team where he's not the absolute best defender on the roster. Um, and everything I'm saying, like, I don't want it to come off like Rashawn was had bad defensive numbers this year. I I, I bet I, I, I kind of disagree with you that he's not a good rim protector. He had more than four blocks in like ten games this year. Um, and per NBA tracking stats, which are a little different than the cleaning glass numbers, so I found that interesting when you were reading them off. Um, there's a lot Holmes of garbage match- time committed for the game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they have that's garbage time filter on cleaning the glass. Oh, yeah. And, like, if you talk about the Utah game, I don't know how long of that was garbage time. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the 25 and 10 against Utah was not in the 49 bird blowout. Let's be that Right, right. It was in a, it was in a 17 point blowout. Yeah. Um, per NBA tracking stats, Holmes' matchups shot. 3.4% less than their overall average across all shot types. And they were a whopping 10.9% less when close to the basket, like within six feet of the basket. So that paints a picture of Rashawn Holmes as a dang solid rim protector, or at least, you know, I'm covering a dude who's around the basket. I don't know if it really backs up weak side rim protector. Um, but the only other king in serious, who got serious minutes this year, who had a positive, like, they held their opponents to less than their overall average, was De'Aaron Fox, who held his matchups to an astounding 0.1% below their overall average. <laughs> this is just the most hilarious stat. Um, no other king that got serious minutes this year held their opponents to less than their average. And to me, the fact that Rashawn Holmes was the one dude, like, I, I, I can't even begin to imagine what Rashawn Holmes would look like on an actual team with real defenders. Um, and I hope we get that next year. I hope that uh, Monty McNair brings some other defenders in, figures out a way to re-sign Rashawn Holmes, maybe goes out there and gets either Scotty Barnes or Moses Moody, who I think you and I both consider. Or Franz Wagner. Or, or Franz Wagner. I mean, I think Franz Wagner is a good defender. Um, so that works as well. I mean, I think he'll have a little bit of a rougher learning curve than uh, Scotty Barnes, who's already built like a freaking tank. Um, but, I mean, any I just get more high-instinct, switchable defenders. And I really wonder if you're going to be uh, quite have quite so many questions about Rashawn Holmes' defense going forward. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. 
Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, do you think that because where I'm kind of at is that, you know, I think Fox Halliburton, if that's your core, I feel like they're great engines to the offense, and I just would lean. I'd rather have a center that I feel like is a little bit more defensive-focused rather than offensive. And I think you said Holmes, you kind of feel like might be that guy, and maybe I'm just in a different mindset with that. Um, but I, I totally agree with you. He's solid in the rim protection aspect. I just want really good there. And, you know, the Kings giving up the 28th worst percentage at the rim, and last year was 30th. Um, I mean, Holmes is playing a, pri- a large majority of the minutes at the center, and there's a lot of aspects that go into that. Like you said, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, I think are the main two. Those guys are getting beat every single time. It put Holmes in shitty posi- positions. But I do think there's, like, players in the league that are better at cleaning up after their teammates' defensive mistakes than Holmes. And I I think that just in an ideal world, which I know there's not very many of those guys, but in in an ideal world, I would lean towards one of those guys more of like a – um, a, a Miles Turner, or you <laughs> know, and, and Miles Turner is just my absolute dream. But you could even <laughs> say like a, a I mean, this isn't as good as Holmes, but a Mitch Robinson, a Robert Williams type thing. You know, like more just pure rim protectors that you're sacrificing a little bit on the offensive end. And this is mainly because I feel like Fox and Halliburton can carry so much of the offensive load. This kind of leads into our next topic of conversation in terms of. Holmes is the blank best center in the league this season. So let's knock and, off the easy ones. Yeah, let's knock off the easy ones. Joel Embiid. Yep. Nikola Jokic. Yep. Bam Adebayo. Yep. Rudy Gobert. Yep. Carl Anthony Towns. Um, Nikola Vucevic. Miles mm-hmm. Turner. Um, whichever I, I would say whichever one of Miles Turner or Sabonis you list as got it yeah, center. Because I put Turner and I didn't include Sabonis. But both yeah, are yeah. better. Yes. It, definitely both are better. But I mean if we're talking like the best starting center, let's just combine them into one because Indiana plays two centers. Yeah, fine by me. Who else you got? Um That's seven, by the way. Christian Wood. Okay, I feel like this one's close, but I did have Wood better. Yeah, well, Wood is definitely better on offense. Like, yeah. yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, DeAndre Aiden. Yep. Who I'm kind of watching the Suns Lakers game out of the corner of my eye. Uh, DeAndre Aiden's improvement this year is just astronomical, and I'd love to see it because he was. Like last year, he was considered in the same boat as Marvin Bagley. Like, is he going to figure this out? Um, And he's definitely figuring it out for Phoenix. So that's great to see. Um, Then it gets, like, much more complicated. Well, like, I say Clint Kristaps. Oh, yeah. Clint's on you. Okay. I missed him. Um, Kristaps Porzingis. This was hard for me because he's injured all the time. Yeah, he's, he's injured all the time. And even when he was playing... He wasn't great this year, especially on defense. Yeah. I would not, as Sacramento, would not trade Rashawn Holmes for and whatever salary needed to make it work for Porzingis. I would not do that. Yeah. 
for injury history, for lack of defense. Uh, I mean, those are the two big things. Mm-hmm. But like, it, it's a real argument. I'm sure that a lot of Mavericks fans would rather have Porzingis. Um, what about Jonas Valanciunas? This was the only name I had left on probably yeah. there before I reached the same tier. And I don't even feel like yeah. we're allowed to talk about Valanciunas that much after the bullshit he pulled. Oh, yeah, I think no. he should be not allowed to be talked about on this podcast. <laughs> I will say that when I was like doing gut check lists, I mean, I feel like I've watched a lot of Memphis this year. When I was just doing gut checks, I was like, no, Rashawn Holmes is better than Valanciunas. And then I saw his numbers, and I was like, oh. That's a cold shit. All right, those are much better than 17.1 points, 12.5 rebounds. Uh, that's a lot better than I thought. Yeah, so, he's actually worth the deal now. Yeah. Um, so, how many centers is that? That is Two, 12. Three, four. That's well, 12. Well, okay. with not including yeah. Porzingis. Not including Porzingis. Okay. Which we can yeah. if we want, but... Uh, you know... I just, just didn't list him because I... Yeah, the injury thing was too complicated for me. Yeah, it's pretty complicated. And, and Randall's not a center, right? No. No. Okay. If he was, he'd, he'd be he'd be much higher on this list. Right, right. But then you really do get into the question marks. Um, I would rather have Jared Allen on my roster. I would rather have Jared Allen than whatever salary he gets oh, paid. Oh, okay, season. so that was 11, actually, because I also passed over... Jared Allen that I have listed here. But I don't think he was necessarily better than Rashawn Holmes this year. You're right. That's that's where I'm at, too. 100% would rather have Jared Allen. He deserves more money in free agency. I think that's the guy you were talking about when Holmes is the second center available in free agency. Yep, for sure. Um, But because there's a four-year age gap between them, but they're pretty close right now, and I would would give the edge to Holmes. Yeah, stat-wise, I mean... Uh, Jared Allen averaging 12.8 points, 10 rebounds, 1.7 assists, 1.6 blocks. Those last two numbers are identical to Rashawn Holmes, which is pretty funny. Um, but no way Cleveland trades uh, Jared Allen for Rashawn Holmes. And if no. the reverse was true, the Kings would absolutely do that. And he's the exact um, guy I talk about when I say sacrifice offense for elite-level rim protection and – Cleveland's in that same situation to me where they have two undersized guards where that guy becomes extremely valuable. And yeah. that's why, you know, I think the talk is him getting five years, $100 million this offseason. Yeah. So let's just say for the sake of argument, 13. Because Jared Allen, we would rather have building a roster. Mm-hmm. The rest of them are kind of all up in the air. Like, would you rather have Yusuf Nurchich? Mm. I forgot about him. Um. Much better passer. You like that. Like 3.4 assists per game this season. Yeah, but I do think Holmes is a better defender. Much better defender. Yeah. Uh, Brooke Lopez, I would much rather have Arson Holmes. Same. And uh, I don't know that Milwaukee agrees with that because I think Milwaukee definitely likes uh, that Brooke Lopez still takes threes. He hasn't made as many threes as he used to in the last couple of years, but... Yeah, and like, he plays a super deep drop, so if you're looking for pure rim protection, yeah. you lean Brooke. Yeah. Um, Al Robert Horford. Williams. Oh, oh Robert no. Williams. I am not going to include Al Horford. No? Just because, like, well, I think it's just the same tier is all. I, I do think Holmes is better, but I think they're I, comparable this year. Yeah, but, but if I'm building a roster, I don't... Al Horford's 35. No, you're right. If I'm building a roster, I'm going Holmes. I'm just talking, yeah. like, this year's production. Yeah, well, that's fair enough, but 
Like everything in Oklahoma City was complicated this year by them. Yeah. Tanking the heck out of things. Yeah. You so, said Robert Williams, yeah. huh? Time Lord? Yeah, well, Time Lord has been dang great. Yeah. Since beginning in the starting lineup. I don't think I need to tell you that. <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't feel think it's crazy that I, I think I'd trade Rashawn Holmes for Robert Williams. I was ready to do it at the deadline, actually. And, yeah. and I don't think Celtics fans would have done it either. Well, and because Robert Williams is a lot younger. Right. Um. So and, and that's I mean, probably, probably the main the thing. Tiebreaker. It's right, the tiebreaker. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Mr. Uh, Robinson was not better than Rashawn Holmes this year. No. Well, was injured most of the year. Yeah. But in the 31 games he played, 8.9 mm-hmm. points, 8.1 rebounds, 1.5 blocks, which was a big drop. Yeah. And there, and there wasn't production. much. Right. There wasn't much um, progress for a yeah. young guy, as you would expect. Which is funny because I remember he was the uh, Instagram warrior all summer. About <laughs> oh, right. He had all these yeah, mixtapes, crazy ball handling, and I'm like, what is this? He's dribbling at like his shoulder, and everybody's freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I see one of those now, I remember De'Aaron Fox a couple of years ago. Everybody was like, why, isn't, why haven't we seen any De'Aaron Fox summer mixtapes? Is he even carrying this summer? And De'Aaron Fox like even tweeted, he was like, yeah, I'm not going to broadcast what I'm doing, guys. Right. Yeah. yeah. Does, um, does Larry Nance count in this group or no? Well, I mean, if we're going by the starting center. Then probably not. Where do you, eh, like, I, it, I get it as a talent argument because mm-hmm. Larry Nance is a great defender. I would not trade Rashawn Holmes for Larry Nance. Yeah. I don't know if I would okay. either. I think they're pretty close, but yeah. And, and then there's a bunch, like, from here, it's just no's. Yeah. I would rather have Rashawn Holmes than Montrezl Harrell. I think he's literally just a better version of Montrezl Harrell. I think he's a much better defender, defensive version of Montrezl Harrell. Yeah. Uh, definitely a little shorter, but um, I think I would much rather have Rashawn Holmes than Cody Zeller, and I think there's a reason Charlotte... <laughs> Which is a beautiful town, by the way. Got to spend a couple uh, hours there a couple of days ago. Great yeah, town. I wonder Good if Holmes will think the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Charlotte definitely would rather have her town Holmes. Um, Zubak. No. I, I, I no. think the Clippers would rather have her town Holmes. Absolutely. Um, Yaka Pertle. There's some reason San Antonio might be interested in Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, I, I stopped my list after the ones that we mentioned. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I have so, 12, 13, if you count Porzingis, as guys that are better than Holmes. And then after yeah, that, I think you have an argument to place Holmes at 14. Yeah, you know, I it, he's he is in that 12 to 14 range. Um, and, you know, we can transition this to um, his his – value this offseason. Like, well, so I'll say the guys that in that range and their deals, Josef Nurkic, four years, $48 million, $12 million a year. And, and the Kings can offer homes four years, $47 um, with it with, And that's saying they don't create additional cap space. Um, Clint Capella, who we agreed was better, is five years, $90 million. That's $18 million there. Um, Brooke Lopez, four years, $52 million, $13 million a year. Christian Wood, um, three years, forty-one million, thirteen million a year. There, 
Jonas Valanciunas, three years, $45 million, $15 million a year there. Um, we said that Larry Nance was pretty comparable as I pull up his contract because I didn't have this one written down. Four years, $44 million. So this is the range that we're talking about with Holmes, right? Like this is, and I feel like this is what I've been saying. Four years, 47 feels very reasonable. The issue is the Kings literally can't offer more than that. So it takes one team to break that offer. And yeah, totally possible. Oh, it's totally possible. I mean, because he's the second best big available this offseason. For sure. Yeah. And let's be real. Every team with cap space except for maybe New York, if they still believe in Mitch Robinson. Every team could use him. Charlotte could definitely use a defensive center and somebody to play in the pick and roll with with LaMelo Ball. Um, Dallas is $34 million and they desperately need somebody like Rashawn Holmes. Um, San Antonio loves high-instinct defensive players. They have $50 million. Um, and I talked about how I'd love to see him in Toronto if he leaves Sacramento. They got $22 million. And, uh, I mean, just imagine that defense. Ooh, oh, boy. That would yeah. be great. And I, I think, like like you said, Jared Allen is the number one center in free agency. And, and the rumor is he's going to get five years, $100 million. The second free agency kicks off, he's restricted. Yep. It would surprise me if anybody's tying up their money in that this offseason. My bet, my bet, my guess is he goes back to Cleveland on that on a deal similar to that. After that, you have Holmes. Yep. And then you're talking about Serge Ibaka, Montrezl Harrell, and you fall off really hard after that. Like Cody Zeller, Michael Green, Robin Lopez, Nerlens Noel, Daniel Tice, Ed Davis, Javale McGee, Dwight Howard, Gorgie Jang, Andre Drummond. I think like if a team is looking for a center, Holmes is the guy. And I think that the way that maybe a team talks themselves out of it is of those guys I mentioned, that maybe you're getting them for a third of the price of homes, and then you're able to use your money elsewhere in free agency. But may, maybe that's a thing. But I specifically, teams you mentioned, I think Charlotte, Dallas, Toronto to me. I look at them and I'm like, those teams need centers. They need a center. And like we said, homes what we say, 15th, um, 14th best center possibly in the league right now, best one on the market that you're not going to pay a ridiculous amount for like Jared Allen. I, I mean, I think he's a prime target for those teams. Yeah, he definitely is. Um, I'm sure that one of the five teams we mentioned will go the journeyman, cheap contract center r- route, but it just takes one team. Um, and unless Monty McNair is ready to sacrifice uh, somebody else on the roster or, or I don't know. I don't know if trading Buddy Hield at this point is sacrificing Buddy Hield. <laughs> um, sacrificing whatever he has to trade with Buddy Hield to get Buddy Hield off the roster, more like. Um, I don't know if anyone there. It's going to be really hard for Monty McNair if Rashawn Holmes just gets one offer above the four years, $47 million that they can offer. Um, you know, I've said for months that the the realistic max that I would pay for Sean Holmes is in that $15 million a year range, which is kind of comparable to all the dudes you mentioned earlier. Um, Clint Capella clearly got the most. Um, but it, it, it just seems definitely comparable that somebody of his talent 
will get at least one team that says, no, we definitely don't want to go journeyman. We definitely need to lock down somebody who can play on both ends, somebody who is high instinct player on both ends, somebody who is coachable, and somebody who's not too old. Like, right, 27. I, I'm pretty sure of all the names you just mentioned, Rashawn Holmes is the second youngest. Only to Jared Allen? Yeah, and yeah, after Allen, I don't even... Yeah, everybody's significantly older. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not incredibly confident that he comes back. Uh, and and that, that's sad. Because <laughs> I really like watching Rashawn Holmes play. Um, but yeah, and, we'll and James Ham has reported that, according to a league source, Holmes' team is looking for a contract in the neighborhood of four years, $80 million. Um, but... You know, notable, obviously, coming from Holmes' team. That's going to be yeah. a number on the higher side, obviously. Um, and also notable, I think, is that at the deadline, that the Charlotte Hornets and Toronto Raptors were both rumored to be interested in Rashawn Holmes. Um, yeah. So. If, if he gets an offer in that range, like, uh, fully, all the best to him. Good luck in your new destination. Both of those cities are beautiful. Um, and best of luck to you and your family. Because no way Kings can justify four years, $80 million. No right. chance. And then the criticism becomes, well, you should have got rid of him at the deadline. Yep. But, you know, even then it's kind of hard to say because maybe your understanding wasn't that that deal was actually going to be there from Monty McNair's point of view. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I do think that, Four years, 47 is totally a deal I could see Rashawn Holmes signing. I, I, I think it's a coin flip. Um, it, it's really only going to take one team, um, and I'm just hoping that McNair has an understanding of the market and, and got that general understanding to the best of his ability at the point of the deadline when we all knew that this was going to be taking place this coming off offseason. Um, but let's say that they do want to clear some space to give Holmes a little bit more because some team is deciding that they're going to offer four years 50, which is a reasonable deal, but Sacramento just can't quite get there. And they need a clear space. You're really talking about Barnes, Buddy, or Bagley, right, as the guys you yeah. move on from. And the difficulty, which Tim has laid out pretty often, is that if you're not doing that at the deadline, you're not getting expiring contracts back. You have to trade a player directly into cap space. And a team with cap space has to be willing to use that space on acquiring a player. And the two that stand out to me with cap space this offseason that could potentially be interested in one of those guys is New York and OKC. New York has $52 million. OKC has 45 And the one that really stands out to me is OKC taking Marvin Backley. Yeah, you need a clear it space. definitely seems like that definitely seems like a gamble that OKC would be willing to take at this point. And, and maybe New York with Buddy Heald, a team that really needed shooting. Yeah, that's another good one. But you, um, you have to be willing to move on from those guys for pretty much no return. Potentially you're giving up assets um, for the sake of keeping homes. I'm still chuckling at the idea of Buddy Heald playing for Tom Thibodeau. I didn't even piece that together. Just, oh my God, just imagine. You're right. Maybe that's not possible. Maybe Tim's is like, please no. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it, of those players, 
it, I mean, maybe San Antonio looks at Harrison Barnes and says, hey, remember the last time we took an overpaid uh, veteran small forward from Sacramento? That worked out pretty well for the last couple of years. I mean, it's been, has there been a more uh, Spurs player in their prime dude than Harrison Barnes? No, but how horrible, like, what are you getting back? Because Barnes is the guy that you look at and you're like, you need something in return, right? Because if, if this offseason turns into letting Harrison Barnes go to San Antonio <laughs> for nothing, just to re-sign Holmes for a bit more than what you could actually afford, how horrible <laughs> does this deadline look? <laughs> That's definitely true. It's the problem with going off the cuff. So, oh, yeah. It's their I, asset pool is not great. No, I mean, like, is you know, in a doubt that you're talking a Lonnie Walker, right? Like, I mean, maybe that would uh, like be the pie in the sky. Right, that's the King's podcast well, propose, uh, proposing that one right there. Yeah, if there is anything that we have learned. It's Monty McNair's not going to make a trade unless he feels like he's getting fair value back. Um, and at some point, that's going to come to ahead with his need to clear the necessary space to keep arguably his third most important player moving forward. Uh, so it's all complicated. I'm sure Tim could lay out like 40 different pathways to clearing cap space, and three of them would be realistic. Right. But just off the top of my head, like Marvin Bagley to OKC seems the most likely to me just because we know OKC is a team that's really focusing on youth. Right. Yeah. Poku, uh, and, Poku and Marvin Bagley in the, in the ceiling debate would be pretty fun. It would be. It also would be the most chaotic basketball. You have no clue what you're getting <laughs> every single position. Um, but, yeah, okay, so – you know, say that Bagley was going to be moved on from anyways. And um, uh, I should pull up the number, but I want to say it's roughly $12 million for Bagley. And then Holmes is still getting a deal that you feel like is too much that you want to pay. Let's say it's four years, 60, which I know you said you're okay with. Or let's go a little higher. Let's go four years, 65, just to break that $15 million threshold that you talked about that I- I'm okay with. You know, sign-in trades did become pretty popular over the last two years. Um, and, and just because it's a possibility, even though I don't think it's the most likely thing, uh, I just wanted to throw out some of the previous signing trades. Um, Boston sent Gordon Hayward and a 2023 and 2024 second round pick to Charlotte for a heavily protected 2022 second and really just a TPE. And that's going to be a theme for most of these. A lot of these signing trades, you're really just getting a TPE back, which um, is for anyone not aware, just a certain salary that you are allowed to trade a player into within a season from when you created that TPE. And this is the entire reason that the Celtics were rumored to be interested in Harrison Barnes because Barnes fit into that highest TPE of all time that was this Gordon Hayward deal. And it actually cost the Boston Celtics two assets in order to create this TPE. They didn't end up doing anything with it. Um, it, it was Evan Fournier as they're proceeding to get their ass kicked by the Brooklyn Nets right now, and and there's injuries involved. Um, There's also OKC acquiring Danilo Gallinari and Atlanta 
acquiring a heavily protected 2025 second rounder and just a TPE. And then there's some other deals that are more intriguing. You look at um, the Christian Wood deal. So Detroit sent out Christian Wood, a future Houston second rounder, and a protected 2021 first that they're going to end up keeping. For Trevor Ariza, um, Isaiah Stewart, the 16th pick in the last draft, and the Lakers 2021 second. So primarily, you're getting Isaiah Stewart back. Um, and then Which is good. Very Which good. Which worked out for Detroit. Very yeah. good. And then the other one that, you know, where I can try to be optimistic about the potential if this was the route that they decided to go down is the Malcolm Brogdon deal, which kind of kicked off all these sign-in trades. And this was Indiana trading for Malcolm Brogdon, and Milwaukee acquired a 2020 first-round pick, which ended up being R.J. Hampton, um, and a 2021 second and a 2025 second. So there is a world, and again, I do think this is pretty unlikely, but it is a possibility where if Bagley was already going to be on the move, say, or Bagley Buddy Barnes, you were able to clear cap space, but then Holmes was also offered a deal that you felt like you did not want to pay or Holmes did not want to come back for some reason, which doesn't seem to be the case. He does really seem to like Sacramento from everything that he said, and it does feel very genuine. City gave him his first opportunity and is clearly the fan base has attached to him. But if he was offered a deal and they had already created more cap space, he was offered a deal that you were more it was more than you were comfortable paying, then you know, maybe there's a chance that you're getting like a late teens, mid twenties sort of pick in return. Or the two teams that stood out, right, Charlotte, could you get their twenty twenty one first? Like would Miles Bridges be on the table? If we were talking Dallas, like instead of losing him for nothing, could you get back like Josh Green, you know? Well, to go back to your first one, no way Charlotte trades the currently listed at number 11 pick for Rashad. Oh, I, I did right? mean to say 2022nd. Yeah, because 2021, oh, yeah, yeah. no way. It will have already happened. It will. The draft will have already happened. Um, well, i got to circle back on one point. If the Kings trade Marvin Bagley, my uh, willingness to pay Rashawn Holmes goes way up. Because at that point, then you're leaving the roster with no big men. Just no, none at all. Um, but I'd say uh, for chits and giggles that uh, New York says, yeah, we'll take Buddy Heald. No problem. Don't even have to give you anything back. We'll just give you cap space, which I think would work for quite a few Kings fans, but it, it not, is not incredibly realistic. But let's just say for the sake of argument that New York takes Buddy Heald, Kings have the potential to sign Rashawn Holmes for whatever they want, and they still decide to sign and trade him. Um, I don't think that the deals you mentioned are crazy. Uh, Charlotte trading Miles Bridges for Rashawn Holmes, like I, I feel like that's a pretty even talent swap when you consider Miles Bridges' youth and uh, ability to play in a fast-paced offense. Um, I'm not sure that he will ever have the same impact to the Sacramento Kings that Rashawn Holmes does, but if the Kings are going to have to trade Holmes, then it makes some sense. Um, I don't know. I, I'm kind of more interested in that Dallas trade you laid out just because I'm still incredibly You're behind interested Josh Green. Josh Green? What? Oh, what a shot. <laughs> what a shot. Um, Josh Green, Tyrell Terry, Tyler Bay. I mean, that still leaves a gaping hole at the big man spot, but that's a heck of a couple of young guys to get a hold of. Um, 
I don't know. I, I don't especially think a sign and trade is likely because all of these teams that we're talking about can sign homes for more than the Kings can realistically sign him for. And why would they trade assets if they're going to? I mean, the, the, the argument is because they want to preserve their cap space for the rest of the free agency pool. Um, I don't know. It depends on how much Dallas would value those young guys. Um, right. and it seems like uh, Josh Green is finally getting some love in that organization. Yeah. There was a really good quote um, where Dallas' coaching staff was talking about how Josh Green just is all out all the time. Um, so I don't know if Dallas would do that. Uh, but, heck yeah, if if the Kings need to sign and trade Rashawn Holmes, I think both of those work. I just don't think it's incredibly realistic in the first place. I don't either. Um, just laying it out because it is technically a possibility, and the only situation yeah. where it feels semi-realistic to me is that you were already going to trade Marvin Backley. And I only say yeah. that because obviously the things that his father said, and he wasn't shutting them down or anything like that. So if, you know, say Bagley was shipped to OKC for very minimal return um, and, and no salary back, and then what happened was Holmes was offered four years, $80 million, and that's not a contract that you want to take oh. on, then, you know, some minor assets coming back from Charlotte is that that's like the only scenario in my mind where that makes sense. Because it yeah. has to be you already cleared cap space for um, for a reason that didn't really have to do with Holmes. Um, and then Holmes was offered a deal where it's like, well, that's just more than we want to pay him. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah, feels very unlikely. Yeah. Um, but then I think the sadly the most likely outcome is the worst off, is that Holmes leaves and Sacramento gets no, nothing back. Yeah. I, yeah, it, it feels like a coin flip to me because four years 47 feels very realistic. It feels yeah. like a a good deal for both sides, um, especially, like like I said, you know, we're talking four years 48 for Nurkic, um, four years 52 for Brooke, 13 million a year on 331 for Christian Wood. Um, it does feel realistic, but again, it only needs to be topped a little bit and, you know, is... I mean, if we're going to talk about sliding trades possibly being a slight chance, like I guess there's also a slight chance where Holmes is offered two, three million or more annually in a different place and decides, no, I like Sacramento. You know, like maybe, I guess. I, I don't think that's likely, but like I guess it's possible. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I can't possibly begin to know what's in Rashawn's head in terms of which is more valuable money or this team that he has been the key part of in the last couple of years. Right. Uh, I'm sure that there is a number where it flips to the other team, um, but I won't even begin to guess. Yeah. Whatever absolutely. he does, I, whatever he does, I'm, I'm happy for him because he, you know, we've talked all day about journeyman centers. Rashawn Holmes is a fantastic success story for a dude who went from uh, – mid-level exception afterthought. He was literally signed as the second center in that free agency, and it took him 10 games to just absolutely steal Dwayne Dedman's soul yeah. and take that and keep that starting spot for two years. Um, 
and he deserves whatever he gets, whether that's 40, 47 from Sacramento, a little more with Sacramento, or four years, 80 million with uh, some other team. He deserves whatever he gets. And uh, it would just suck for Sacramento to have lost two of arguably their top five players over the last two years in two straight seasons. Bogdan Bogdanovich is crushing it for Atlanta right now. Uh, and that just makes that departure even more complex and uh, disappointing. And uh, I don't know. If they do it again with Rashawn Holmes, like, I'm going to get it. It's complicated. They didn't, and they, Monty McNair didn't sign Harrison Barnes or Buddy Heald to these contracts that now loom large on their cap space. Um, but it would suck for small market team that really struggles to sign talent to just see another starter walk out the door. It would. It would be a horrible look on McNair after just standing pat at the deadline. Um, even though, you know, there's been talk that Boston was never chasing Barnes as hard as, as people may have said, but I don't know. There's been conflicting reports in both directions with that. Um what percentage chance do you think it is that Holmes gets offered more than this four-year 75 in free agency? I'll say I think 65%. Yeah, I was about to say I think it's 70%. So we're in yeah. the same category. It just takes one of these teams. It just takes Charlotte being like, hey, let's get LaMelo Ball, one of the best pick-and-roll big men in the league. Uh, it just takes Toronto deciding that they're going to create the – Voltron defensive lineup that they've been destined to make the last couple of years. So it just takes Dallas being we need we need a defender next to uh, Luca badly. Yeah. And final point before we get out of here: if Holmes walks for nothing, where do you look towards for your center rotation? Because your center rotation, if it's Damian Jones. Chemezi Metu, I don't, Bryant, I don't know if I'm, this <laughs> podcast exists anymore, Bryant. I don't know if I can do that. Um, Tony Zipteris is throwing this out there, and I, I think I've said it once or twice as well, and it's not a coincidence that the two Boston guys say this, but Buddy Heel for Al Horford? Boo. Is this crazy? Boo? Not a fan? Boo. I'm, well, just because I, Al Horford at that point is nothing more than a uh, 20-minute starter who helps teach this team defense. Al Horford is not a better defender in the year 2021 than Rashawn Holmes. No. And that would suck. But no. I get that this is a nothing for nothing. So in terms of assets, sure. I think, I he's, get it. He, I think Horford would be a more impactful to the team than Buddy. I think he probably would in the locker room. My downside is just like, Al, you get Al Horford, Al Horford's staying in Sacramento until his contract is over. Freddie right. Hield might be able to have some interest from a couple of teams in the future. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, I agree with that. I I think the other option here that, you know, we don't really – well, okay, the, the number one option is Monty McNair gets off his butt and go makes his goes and makes his big-time move that he's just been – Planning for the last year. Yeah, the clear one is go pay market value for whichever one of Indiana's bigs you can get. Okay, I'll put you on the spot. Who would you rather have, Demonis Sabonis or Miles Turner? 
Oscar. Oh, God. You are a crazy no, man. No, the team needs defense. The team needs defense. Yeah. And Sabonis is a good defender. Like I know he's not like an elite rim protector, but Sabonis is so much more impactful in terms I, of overall I, game. I, it's I not do think close. what it comes down to is I think Fox Halliburton, like you can put most of the offense on their shoulders. I, I vehemently disagree with that. Well, and also understand. considering like what you'd have to pay for the two. Yes, that I will understand because Miles Turner will almost certainly be less expensive. I mean, there's that report that Indiana was willing to add him and give him to Boston uh, when they were trying to sign and trade for Gordon Hayward. Don't get me started, Brian. <laughs> how, much, how much better would Boston this year be with uh, Miles Turner? Oh God. <laughs> I don't want to answer that. No, I agree. Whichever one of those two is available. Um, is Houston really going to move forward with Christian Wood in a rebuild? Probably, but he'd be a dude I would absolutely give a call for. Um, but then, I mean, the rest of the current centers, is it's just it's depressing. I mean, unless you're going for like a straight gamble, like New Orleans realized that they really don't, have big rotation minutes for Jackson Hayes. Right. Um, man, I'm going down the center roster, and it is bleak. Well, and then I think you kind of look towards, like, minimums or slightly above minimums in free well, agency. And just kill me at that point. Well, just kill me. You know, yeah, it sucks, but, like, you know, best names, I guess, are Daniel Tice, Nerlens Noel, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, <sighs> Jamichael Green, Cody Zeller, Gorgie Dang. Like, I, I think... There are teams that get away with those as starting centers. I mean, it's a it's a downgrade for sure, but you can get away with them as starting centers. If I have to pretend that the Sacramento Kings are going to attempt to make the playoffs next year with any of those dudes you just mentioned starting at center, I'm just I'm going to lose my freaking mind. Yep. And I right. think I think the other option is if you know Rashawn Holmes is leaving, there are some dude some bigs that you should consider in the draft if they're still at the 9 to 10 range. I mean, if they hop to number two, like we're hoping number one or number two. Yeah, but this uh, this is an old conversation, Brian. They have yeah. Evan Mobley on the roster. Yeah, if they get to number two. If they get to number <laughs> one, we're still taking Cade Cunningham. I don't want somebody to be like, somebody to listen to this and think we're not taking Cade Cunningham number one. But if they get number two, Evan Mobley is the clear dude. And then you should still re-sign Rashawn Holmes. Yep. I will I will die on that hill. Um but let's say they're they're still at number nine or number ten. Um it it is not crazy to me that you consider Kai Jones. It is not crazy oh. to me. It's not a, mm-hmm. Kai Jones is a yeah. solid gamble for a team that needs a center. He's not my pick if they're re signing Rashawn Holmes, but uh, I know there's a lot of smart fans out there that are real and, and draft analysts out there who really believe in Kai Jones being yeah. Uh, what we hoped uh, Willie Cauley-Stein would be. Um, you know, uh, Alperin Sengun, who I'm probably still butchering his name. I'm sorry. Uh, he becomes interesting. Um, Usman Garuba. I know there's a I was waiting for that one. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I like the tape I've seen on him. I need to watch more, but I know there's a Thomas Smart draft fans, including our buddy P.D. Webb, who definitely consider him lottery range. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know 
if if the Kings just know that they're not going to get Rashawn Holmes, they have to do something because this big man core would then become Marvin Bagley and squat. Yeah. And I would – the only reason I think I kind of like boofed at your Kai Jones and things is because I would just hate being forced into a big at nine. Like they – as we do our profiles, I may come around to one of them there, but I don't want to have to look at it and be like, man, they really need a center, you yeah. know, when it comes to the talent pool there. Like um, when you wrote draft year, I was thinking pick 39. But you're not really getting an impact guy there, right? Yeah, no, you're not getting a starter. Like, oh, God, the, the centers and tank of funds. Yeah. I mean, is there a possibility that Isaiah Jackson falls there? Sure. Daron Sharp, you know. Oh, Daron Sharp I would totally love to get in a second-round pick, regardless of what the Kings do at center. Yeah. Like, just sign me up for that one. Um I think Kevin likes Luca Garza. <laughs> if the Sacramento Kings are relying on Luca Garza's <laughs> serious big men minutes next year, they're going to have a worse defense than they did this year. Yeah. Full stop. For sure. Um, I don't think – is JT Thor big enough to be a center? I don't know. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the whole – the point of this is, if Holmes walks for nothing, team's in a shit position. They, they they become desperate. Um, Monty McNair really really has to pull off his magical pull a rabbit out of a hat trick. Totally. So, yeah. Hopefully, Charlotte, Toronto, Dallas talk themselves into other centers, and you know this all becomes null when he's not Holmes signs four years, forty seven in Sacramento. Um, but, yeah, definitely putting a bit of a pickle here after standing pad at the deadline. And, um, yeah, that, that's where we're at with this Rashawn Holmes situation as we head into the off season, and definitely expect a lot more draft content. I would guess that there's going to be primarily draft content coming from us unless we come up with some other ideas here. I think we could start diving into profiles um, coming from this podcast. But you got any other thoughts on Rashawn Holmes before we close out here, Brett? Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of wrote about this in my piece, um, but it is amazing to me. Two years ago, the Kings signed two centers, Dwayne Dedman and Rashawn Holmes. Dwayne Dedman immediately forgot how to play basketball, and uh, Rashawn Holmes didn't. Rashawn Holmes is a Sacramento fan favorite because he's a dude who can absolutely still thrive, even in a shitty basketball situation like Sacramento. And he deserves whatever he gets going forward. So I hope that's with Sacramento because I think he can play a big role moving forward in how this team can uh, fix their defense and is an excellent kind of pick-and-roll player to play next to De'Aaron Fox and Tyrus Halliburton, who desperately need a good pick-and-roll big man. Um, but it, 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 it's going to be one of the bigger decisions of Monty McNair's career to figure out how he's going to manage this roster to under position moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that the fan base can, should, probably will um, love Rashawn Holmes no matter what happens this offseason. If he walks, that's more on the Kings or credit to his improvement, as you said, um, and, and definitely nothing but 
support, love, and appreciation for what he did during his time here and hopefully continues to do here for Holmes um, for myself and um, I feel like most of the fan base. So, But that is going to do it for this episode of the Kings Bulls Podcast. Definitely check out all the great work going at going on at the Kings Herald. There's that season review that you wrote on Rashawn Holmes, Bryant. I'm going to have two coming on, you know, you can probably guess the two players. Um, <laughs> There's uh, reviews coming from all the other players on the rosters, from guys around the website as well, and mailbags and everything else going on there as as there is all the time and will continue to be throughout this offseason. So thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and you will hear from us again in the next couple of days.